And now, our feature presentation. The best in the world is right here, right now. Whether you like it or don't like it, pal, learn to love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, listen up. Now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. Let's get ready to rumble! the greatest wrestling program in the world ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention stop what you're doing and listen it's the alliance guys podcast with your hosts kevin frazier dkm and jcap well welcome to the alliance guy podcast because apparently my pals had better things to do than to hang out with you at nwa Hashtag NWA fam. Welcome everyone to the podcast, to the live stream, to the best dang old NWA podcast there is. And I'm talking about the Alliance Guys podcast. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the host. I'm saying that because it's the truth. It should be award winning. Although no, no, no one's giving me any kind of award. But it should be award winning. This is the Alliance Guys podcast a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal, and we have got a packed house already. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking us out. I see that we've got Woodland Goblin in the house, Terry McDermott, Willie Bowen's here in the house. I see, uh, I see what would Luthez do, and I always say Luthez would wrestle. Uh, we will have DKM joining us momentarily. Kevin will be out for tonight. Unfortunately, his wife pulled rank. And uh, you know how it goes. When your significant other tells you to jump, you got to say how high. So, uh, but we're here. And we're talking NWA. We're talking NWA with you, the hashtag NWA fam. And I'm so glad you're here. Jimmy LB's in the house. Dave Scooby's in the house. This feels like a homecoming. Uh, you guys know I wasn't here live uh, on on uh, on Tuesday for the pre-party. We were uh, we were in vacation mode. We were out in Las Vegas having a blast. Again, I won a little bit of money. Won a little bit of money, but not a lot of money. And I'm instead of drinking an energy drink, I am drinking Starbucks coffee. Well, it's not really Starbucks. That's our secret. All right, so. We're not going to stand on ceremony because there's a couple things I want to talk about. And some of it's important, some of it's not important. But one thing I want to do is tip the old cap to our women's world champion. And that would be the Brick House, Camille, the holder of the Brick. Let's talk about Camille for a minute. Now, we haven't seen her or really Nick Aldis on any NWA TV for a while. And I think that's going to change in the next few weeks when they bring in this uh, this new uh race for the chase we're going to see a little bit more of the women's world champion on that but one thing i want to note uh, a note about miss brickhouse camille is that um she actually has her first title defense scheduled for uh july 24th 
It's the same promotion that's bringing Nick Aldis in. They're doing uh, Aldis versus Murdoch number two. Um, this will also feature Camille uh, de- defending her title for the first time against uh, Kenzie Page. Now, we saw Kenzie Page just a few weeks ago on NWA Power. And the reason why I'm bringing attention to this and the reason why I want to talk about it is because one thing that we have constantly brought up on this show is the lack of the lack of title defenses from our champions now you know uh, dr robert stinson from this is the pro wrestling podcast would tell you that uh, a true world champion only takes prize fights and, and doesn't need to defend that title every 30 days or once a week or whatever it is oh hey holly hudson's in the house what's up holly holly jimmy man this is awesome thanks for checking us out uh camille the brick house if you will uh, again, we talk about champions not defending their titles. Camille's got her first defense here on July 24th. And as an added bonus, I know she's going to be wrestling in in San Antonio, Texas, right? So, so Camille's going to wrestle a second date. Uh, you know, in fact, she's wrestling the very next day on July 25th for River City Wrestling. And I think that's pretty cool. Because we're seeing some more visibility from our champions. Now, Nick Aldis will stand up there in his ivory tower and will, you know, hand out a title defense here and there, and we're all supposed to cheer and celebrate. Whereas Camille is actually getting out there and she's working. And I know what you're saying before you get to it. Well, Jay, that's only one extra day. Who cares? No, this is where we this is where I want to start bragging about Camille because she's getting out there. Because Camille will be in the United Kingdom on August 13th and 14th for Preston City Wrestling. Now, these aren't confirmed title matches. In fact, I asked River City Wrestling, August the 25th will not be a women's title match, but she certainly will have the Burke with her, and she'll be showcasing herself as the NWA World Champion, the World Women's Champion. And I think that is awesome, guys. I think that's terrific. That's what you want from your champions. You want them to be fighting champions. You want them to be everywhere. You want them to defend. And I think that's pretty dang dope. I think that's pretty awesome. And so, uh, I want to give credit where credit's due. I want to give credit to Camille because, again, so she's wrestling on the 24th and 25th back-to-back days. One day in uh, Atlanta, excuse me, in North Carolina the next day in Texas, and then she'll be flying to the United Kingdom to wrestle two dates in the UK, and that's before coming back to uh, the United States, heading to Missouri for not only the pay-per-view, the Empower pay-per-view, where I'm sure she'll be defending the tent, the uh, Burke, but she'll also be, uh, I'm assuming, at the NWA 73rd pay-per-view, also again defending the Burke. That's these are just assumptions. This could all be cleared up later with uh, match announcements. Until a match card is announced, I'm just going to assume that Camille will be defending those, uh, that title and all of those places. So I think that's pretty dang cool. And I want to give props to Camille for that. Um, but, wow, you know, with the NWA and uh, the way that it is heading, I mean, we got another episode of Power, Superpower. The superpowers are always flanked by a little bit more action. Now, remember, the superpower initially was supposed to be that bridge, right? That bridge from the first couple of episodes to the pay-per-view. Now, they've still not really clearly defined how that uh, is supposed to be used on 
television, or excuse me, on uh, on uh, Fight, because they've done the superpower, and all it seems to be is just an extra match. So, you know, with quarterly pay-per-views, um, it, it does kind of give a little bit of excitement, but it didn't feel like this was anything special. Remember, when the first superpower was filmed, I mean, we had some really extraordinary matches. We had the, the blow-off between uh, Mama Storm, uh, at the time Danny Deals and Jack Stain versus Tim Storm, and it had a big match feel to it. It was also the debut of Camille in-ring, uh, in-ring action. So there's a lot of like moments that felt really big. And I don't feel like the NWA has delivered on that big feeling, that big push. Like, uh, these aren't Clash of the Champions. You know, this isn't the, the Jim Crockett Clash of the Champions style of, of shows. They're just regular wrestling shows. And, and again, there's not a huge problem with having regular wrestling shows. It just doesn't feel as, I don't know, as significant. Now, I see a lot of the comments here um, in the in the chat. Willie Bowen says, that is why I'm a fan of NWA Pro Wrestling. They're World's Heavyweight, uh, I think you just meant World's Women's Champion and the Tag Team Champions traveling around the world defending their titles. I mean, it's something we definitely would like to see more of. I mean, personally, I think the titles need to be defended. See, that's the thing. Um, before we get to uh, power, the thing about a world champion, Right, because the WWE has their own world heavyweight champion. Hell, they have two of them, right? AEW has their own world champion. Impact technically has the same world champion, but the point remains, there's still a world champion that represents AEW, that represents uh, Impact, that represents New Japan Pro Wrestling, that represents AAA in Mexico, that represents CMLL. Every single wrestling promotion has its own version of what the world champion is supposed to be but historically historically the nwa world's heavyweight champion was a champion that traveled abroad he didn't just defend that title in the nwa he defended that title in multiple promotions because back then the nwa wasn't a singularity it wasn't a single promotion it was a sanctioning body so that meant the world champion who would wrestle at the grand olympic auditorium and face chavo guerrero senior talking about Terry Funk here, would go on to wrestle in Dallas and in Austin. He'd go to wrestle in the Omni in Georgia. He'd go wrestle in Florida. And, and the thing about it is that title meant something because that's how it was treated. And when Vince broke off and, and, and when ECW broke off and, and when all these other promotions, the AWA, eventually WCW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, when all these promotions splintered from the original NWA, their world champions remained world champions in that promotion only. You never really saw John Cena go to New Japan Pro Wrestling to defend the WWF World's Heavyweight Champion. You never saw Stone Cold standing in the ring against, uh, you know, Masahiro Chono and New Japan. They, they just didn't cross over like that. Now, I mean, we're seeing a little bit of that change with AEW and kicking down of the Forbidden Door. But for the most part, these champions are only champions in their home promotions. Whereas the NWA World Champion was recognized ceremoniously around the globe for being a world heavyweight champion. So when Scrap Iron Adam Pierce went to Mexico and wrestled in some of the Mexican independent wrestling promotions, he was still considered NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. And when he went to WXW in Germany, he was still considered the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. 
And this is something that's kind of stopped with Nick Aldis. It started, Nick Aldis was on that same path. And again, I'm not trying to blow up Nick Aldis here. He hates me. That's fine. I don't hate him. It's fine. But Nick Aldis was defending that title in Australia. He was defending that title in the UK. He was defending that title across the country, on the West Coast, on the East Coast, in middle America, in the flyover states, right? He defended the title in Nebraska, for crying out loud. But then, all of a sudden, now now the title doesn't go anywhere that isn't directly connected to NWA. And I feel like that's wrong. I feel like that's not in, in line with what the NWA has been or what it should be. And I feel like it's kind of like a false bill of goods. We know that when Trevor Murdoch was national champion, he defended that title at SWE. We know that when Thunder Rosa was the women's world champion, she defended that title in primetime live and in AEW. Hell, you could even say that Aaron Stevens was defending that title on primetime live or the tag team champions, uh, uh, Eli Drake and James Storm were defending the tag titles on primetime live. What I'm saying is that they ventured out of that comfort zone of the Georgia public broadcasting studios. They were wrestling across the country defending those titles. And that's something that we haven't seen since the NWA's return. Not one champion has defended that title outside of the NWA. With the exception of the Pope, right? Who showed up to Ohio Valley and wrestled Mr. Pectacular, the the Ohio Valley National Champion, to basically a, a time limit drive, I think was the end result. Uh, ultimately, the Pope was there showcasing the NWA Television Championship and took on one of Ohio Valley's top stars. And to me, that's really exciting. And that's where the NWA needs to go back. And I don't know if this is a byproduct of the what Billy Corgan thinks the NWA, what that vision is for him, or if this is Nick Aldis kind of refusing to get out there and defend the title. Whichever it is, I think it's a false... Uh, false way to go moving forward that if it, depending oh hey thank you wrestling with mma he's sharing our content on his uh twitch channel you could do that too if you're so inclined but thank you uh, wrestling with the mma for doing that appreciate that um but like this like i was saying the the world champion should be out there defending that title everywhere he can and when i see someone like um Camille doing that or Elijah Burke doing that. I very, very much want to celebrate that and give them the notoriety that they deserve because I mean, honestly, I I think it's warranted. Okay. Some of your comments. Uh, Let's see. Um, Terry McDermott says the last four champions of the Burke have really done a great job carrying that title. Absolutely. And I, again, I don't want to take anything away from Thunder Rosa or Serena Deep. We both know that both of those ladies uh, did what they could to bring more uh, eyeballs to the NWA. Now, when Serena Deep was world champion, um, we were in the middle of the pan- global pandemic. She wasn't really allowed to, to kind of travel outside of that uh, AEW bubble. But we know Thunder Rosa, prior to uh, her working with AEW, was defending that title all over. And I mean, Mission Pro Wrestling. Which, yeah, I know she's associated with it. Uh, Mission Pro, she was also in um, Primetime Live, like you previously stated. She also wrestled SWE Fury, and of course, eventually at AEW. So, we really did see a lot of 
a lot of uh, that title represents uh, being represented. Lily Bowen says, "Don't forget Allison K." Absolutely, Allison K. Also defended that title, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Thunder Rosa also defended Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. But we'll get more into that uh, as we go on. Um, Jeremy McDermott says, "WWE has champions of a TV show. The title Bob Backlund held is no longer around." And I mean, that's a great point, right? Bob Backlund defended that belt everywhere. Bob Backlund would wrestle in All Japan Pro Wrestling or New Japan or wherever, really, the wherever the water took him. Um, let's see. Um, Sean Mega says, Nick is too busy running a supplements company. Now, like, look, I'm not against the world's heavyweight champion having a side hustle. I'm not against him having a secondary business. But imagine... Imagine if your job required you to travel and all of a sudden you, st- you quit traveling. Imagine your job required you to defend that, that title every 30 days and all of a sudden now you don't defend it every 30 days. I mean, when was the last time you saw Nick Aldis wrestle a match? Was it the pay-per-view? Was his last match on June the 6th? Does that not strike anyone else as being a little odd? For the World Heavyweight Champion, it's now a month. We haven't even seen him wrestle a match. And before that was his last match. His last in-ring wrestling match was that against Aaron Stevens back in March. Does anyone else have a problem with that? I mean, is, is it just me? Am I the only one that seems, thinks that this is something odd, something strange? I would like to think that... Uh, as the global pandemic is starting to wind down, as, as COVID-19 is becoming a thing of the past, as more and more people are becoming vaccinated and, and more and more wrestling is becoming open to the public, whether you're wearing a mask or not, I hope, I hope the world's heavyweight champion remembers that he is a wrestling champion and gets out there and starts wrestling again. Because I know wrestling with MMA isn't a huge fan either. I'm a fan of the man's work. I just think he's he's gotten... Complacent. I don't think he cares. So that's my opinion. Uh, what would Luthez do? Says WWWF didn't have the audacity to call Bruno a world champion. Well, there you go. That's that's it too. Wrestling with the MMA says boo Nick Aldis every chance you can. James H. Jackson brings up Aldis in China. I mean, look, that was a direct result of David Marquez, right? Like, uh. I hate to break it to anybody who's watching this podcast, but not one person, not, well, okay, I take it back. Maybe there was a handful of people. I was one of them. But there was a handful of people there who knew what the NWA was. But the majority of the people there watching that show were just excited to see some entertainment, something different, something they're not accustomed to. Most of them weren't even familiar with the sport of wrestling. And in fact, in some of the production meetings that I got to sit through, you could hear them say, hey, look, these people who are watching this, have no idea what professional wrestling is and they're used to mixed martial arts so when they throw them outside of the ring they're going to be confused it's just that's that that's legitimately how it was um wrestling with the mma says unfortunately we have a coward for a champion (laughs) wrestling with mma you're gonna get me in more in trouble because he refers to him as mr james he meant all this yeah I mean, look, I, I don't want to call the man a coward, right? That guy, let, okay, to Nick Aldis' credit, he puts in the work. He looks like a million bucks. 
His wrestling, I mean, whether you're a fan or not of his style of wrestling, it's solid. He can go anywhere and work with anybody. There, there's no argument about that. His promos are money. That's probably where he gets the best of bang for your buck with Nick Aldis. He can cut killer promos. He can get the fans behind him, or he can get the fans to hate him with the snap of the finger. He's money on the mic. There's no doubt about it. He's one of the best promo guys in the business today, when he wants to be. But then, like, you know, some of the stuff we've seen on Power in the last year just makes me question his willingness to do this. Like, are you not happy being a pro wrestler? I mean, I see the I see the Pope cut promos, and I get goosebumps, right? I see the, pro, the Pope talk about his title and how meaningful it is, and you get the chills. Because you know the Pope, he buys into it. You see Nick Aldis bragging about how he's world champion. But then, on the other hand, talking about Billy Corgan sabotaging him or being out to get the Billy Corgan should want his world champion to be celebrated. I don't know why he would think that Billy Corgan is sabotaging. Again, it's just, um, I don't know. I don't like it. Leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, wrestling with MMA says love is work, but can't stand the ethic. Yeah. I, I mean, look, <laughs> is there a work ethic with Nick Aldis? And uh, that's me going on and on a lot about our world's heavyweight champion. But let's talk about power, shouldn't we? I mean, that's what we do here on this podcast is we talk about NWA power with you, that hashtag NWA fam. And again, thank you for being here. I see Sean Mega just said the mystery man is coming for the title. Yeah, I mean, the mystery man's probably going to end up working Trevor Murdoch at this point. Does anyone doubt that Trevor Murdoch is going to be your next NWA World's Heavyweight Champion? Raise your hand if you disagree. Superpower kicks off, and, and one of the most surprising things of all the NWA is that we actually had a wrestling match within three minutes of NWA Power kicking off. And we get the title match that was supposed to happen last week with Sal Renaro taking on the Pope. Now, this is match number six. A victory, uh, a victory for Elijah Burke puts him on track number seven. Of course, if he gets seven successful title defenses, he is going to be uh, in line for that NWA uh, World's Heavyweight Championship. And, and I got to be pretty excited about that, and I hope you are too. All right. I was wondering what you were boring the people with for the last 25 minutes. So that the, was last, the, the last 25 minutes, we were talking about Camille. And how I'm excited to see Camille already out there. I know it's been a while since she's defended the Women's Championship. She won the belt. She hasn't had her first successful defense. But now we're going to see her. She's showing up uh, on the same night that Aldis and Murdoch 2 is happening. She will be defending the title against Kenzie Page. And then we also know that she's going to be wrestling River City Wrestling the very next day. I know it's not a title match. But she's going to be showcasing herself as the, the NWA world's women's champion and of course uh in two uh in august august 13th and 14th she's going to be at preston city wrestling in the uk and again i'm assuming she's going to be um either defending the title or at least showcasing it so we spent a lot of time talking about what what it takes to be a champion in the nwa and uh yeah that's about it we're just getting into the tv title match tv title match talking about that show yeah that show you know nwa power oh 
I watched that this week. Were you surprised that it took them such a short amount of time to get to actual wrestling this week? Uh, I can't say anything they do anymore actually surprises me, but I was happy that it, they got to it quick. I, I, I will say this. Two minutes and 20 seconds is what I have written down. As, as long as it took for the show to start till us getting actual wrestling. And to me, that is a, such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. wonder how that happened. Maybe they've been watching this podcast. Anyways. <laughs> we get this. They, they need to because we love them. We really do. We just wish they would, you know, make more sense when they do some of their things. More sense. I, I mean, let's talk about this TV title match because this is one of the things that I like that the NWA did. It's one of those things that I felt like they did a great job in presenting not only the match, but the importance of why the Pope needed to win. Because remember, Pope is trying to climb that seven, seven steps, right? That's lucky seven. And when he wins this match, it puts him one match closer to challenging for the 10 pounds of gold. Um, we get a Sauronaro who's beaten up. I mean, he looks worse for wear. He's selling that arm, and he does a fantastic job selling that injury. Um, you know, it's the little things that matter, right? He goes for the uh, Irish whip, but he can't pull with his wrong, with the uh, with the right arm. He has to use his left arm. At one point, he goes for the DDT, but it hurts his left arm, so he switches to the other arm. And I just felt like that's that's the little things that matter. And it shows just how much a professional Sauronaro is, even though he's low on the on the on the roster, even though he's considered enhancement, just to see those little things in action against a guy like the Pope, it made that match so much sweeter to me. Of course, the the match ends with the Elijah Express, much like most of the Pope's matches. Um, he gets the one, two, three, and then we get Idol Sports Management coming out to confront the Pope. Um, all in all, I thought this was a great match. DKM, what did you think? I mostly liked it. I here's what I appreciated. All right, I appreciated the match itself. I appreciated them being consistent in the storyline with uh, Sal. You know, he wasn't miraculously well this week. He still was worked injured, and uh, you know, and that all told the story. So I I, I like that. If there was a guy you're going to have Pope defend the title against who was injured, I don't know that I would have picked Sal. But that's just a personal preference. So I like the match. I like their consistency. I like that they started on time. I like the Pope more or less dominated and won. So, I mean, one nitpick is all I have. What's your nitpick? I told you that Sal was the one who was. Oh. <laughs> in, in other words, Pope doesn't need to Sal to be injured to beat him. Right. So, you know, if that had been, I don't know, Fred Rosser or, you know, people he's already faced or something like that, then you'd sit there and go, oh, cool, you know, watch this. But, you know, look, if Sal wasn't injured, we all know he wouldn't win the match. Right. And, and I think and, the other thing that kind of bothered me about this match and it's really indicative of all the television title matches 
where is the sense of urgency? You've got six minutes and five seconds. Why are you going in there, you know, slowly fist bumping, taking that time to, you know, feel each other out? I mean, this this match for any title defense, you know, the world the, the TV champion could take his time because he doesn't have to pin the man to keep the belt. Um, but as a challenger, you've got six minutes and five seconds to prove your worth. And if you can't get in there and, and actually wrestle, you're, you're not going to win the belt. So I, I'm always just kind of perplexed by the uh, the, the lackadaisical uh, approach in the ring. Like, I, I wish there was someone who'd come in there with a, a lot higher sense of urgency when they're challenging the, the TV champion to get in there and just, you know, cut all the bull- BS. Censored myself. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. It, it, the beginning of the match should almost be a study in contrast, where the challenger is like, "All right, let's go. Let's try and get some quick pins or something like that," and the champion's like, "You know, okay, yeah, you know, you know, give me a chance to breathe. Take your time here. No, we're in no rush or whatever." And I, I will tell you where problem the part of the problem lies is that so many of their matches are short anyway. Yeah. In that, you know, I think I pointed out I, I didn't get stats on this show. I didn't have time this week. Been a very busy week at work, so I didn't have time to sit there and you know check how long each match went and everything. But you know, it's not. Uh, they have lots of matches that end in under five minutes or around five minutes. So it's almost like the 605 time limit is meaningless because so many matches are, that's all they go anyway. Yeah. So, you know, which is sad considering so many shows they only have three matches. Right. And so if, if you're only going to put three matches on a show, you know, some of them need to go... 10 minutes you know or even ones like the main event you know they should go around 12 or so you know make it seem like a main event and I I, I think that's I think that's where some of the psychology gets lost in the in the wrestling I think they need to do pro- probably a better job of why is that six minute, six minute and five second time limit important? It's not just a gimmick number. It also should affect how the match runs. I agree. And uh, some of the comments in our chat room uh, that are going on right now. Um, Sean Mega thinks that the Champion Series should provide more wrestling. You know, Sean, from uh, your lips to uh, the NWA ears, I really hope they do do that. You know, give us a little bit more wrestling, or a lot more wrestling, really. But we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, wrestling with MMA says, Sal is a top guy in my bookings. Um, he said, uh, Terry McDermott says, Sal is a good wrestler despite his silliness. And wrestling with MMA brings up because of his attention to detail, which, I, I, again, I, I think those little things... Um, I think those little things contribute to the uh, overall um, appeal of a wrestler, like especially in a title match. 
Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers to watch from out here in Southern California is a guy named Tyler Bateman. Now, I know he's now with Ring of Honor, and he does uh, matches with New Japan um, of America. But one of the things that if you ever watch a Tyler Bateman match, you know, when he reels back and punches someone, you know, he... He grabs that fist. He massages the hand, you know, because he, he's, he's trying to make it more believable. If you do an uh, arm bar on him, you'll see him, you know, holding that shoulder. And it's those little those little nuances that make it so much more believable. And, and it really sucks you into the match. And when someone like Sauer and Aro can, can kind of get you to believe a little bit more. Like, you know, Tim Storm said he had a broken calvic. Uh, clavicle i don't know if you could wrestle with a broken clavicle to be honest with you but the fact that um the fact that he he just kind of uh, you know did those little nuances just made it seem more believable to me yeah you know and i don't want to disparage sal when i say that we all know that he would have beat him even if it was right you know uh if he wasn't hurt uh you know his his character, his role, however you want to put it, is what it is. And I don't not enjoy it. Uh, I mean, it's fine. But it's, you know, like I said, if if you're going to have an angle of an injured person, I just don't know that I personally would pick Sal. And uh, because Sal is always going to be the underdog. And, uh, you know... That's just my basic thoughts on that. But, you know, Sal's a veteran, and Sal's a good person for a lot of the people there to work with. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, if they pay attention to him, they can probably learn some things from him. So what else happened on that show? Well, next up, we get the Idle Sports Management. And, and the reason why I say not Tyrus... And, and uh, Austin Idols because the, this group has grown and apparently if Tyrus pins you, you have to join the Idol Management Sports Group. And we get this very long-winded, very uh, nonsensical promo by Austin Idols. I, you know, <sighs> dementia is a scary, scary thing and I think it's starting to creep into our friend Austin Idol. I just... He's becoming non-coherent. I can't really understand what he's even trying to say. Um, you know, our, our guy Kyle uh, Kyle Davis in the uh, podium was mentioning that, uh, hey, can we wrap this up? We, we have a live show. We're doing the live wrestling. Let's get to the point. And apparently it sounds like a TV title match has been signed. But even then, it was kind of hard to understand. And, and again, now you've got Black G's in the group. And you've got uh, the Golden Boy, Jordan Clearwater, in the group. With really no explanation. Just, here it is. Um, did you even watch the promo, DK? I know you're quick at fast-forwarding these things. Uh, I didn't fast-forward it or mute it, which probably should have. <laughs> because it probably, it probably would have made as much sense to me if I had. Right. I mean, I don't know. I I don't get the thing with Idol. I don't sit and talk. Or, and that's probably not even right. It's probably okay if he talks, but he should be kept on a short leash. Yes. And, you know, dude, go out there, hit three points, shut up. Tyrus is actually a better talker. 
uh, was it just me or did Black G's look totally out of place there? I mean, he's what? Uh, an inch taller than Marco Stunt, something like that? I don't, I don't. Our, our good friend Kakushi said that he had in the past worked a show with him and, and he was legitimately like five foot four. And, um, well, he looks legitimately like five foot two. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what would be interesting to me? And, like, look, this is Fantasy Booking 101. You know, nobody really cares what J. Cal thinks, but what if they would. What if they broke off Tyrus and Black Cheese and that was one entity and then Idol and someone like Jordan Clearwater who let's let's be honest I like Jordan Clearwater but his promos aren't what sells him um, he could benefit from somebody like Austin Idol who again if he kept on a short leash could be interesting could be entertaining and a guy like Black G's, who's so much smaller than Tyrus, managing this guy who's so big, just aesthetically looks like it makes sense to me. Well, let's look at, you know, you said that because I actually had a thought when I was watching this, which is, uh, Idol would make more sense managing Clearwater because Clearwater is young. He's got an athletic build. Uh, still looks like he needs to mature some. I don't know how old he is. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think he's as young as he looks. But you know, he, he does look like he kind of needs to mature a little bit in the body area, in the face area. But that would be someone where Idol could be like the next me. Yeah, for sure. And. You know that would be that would be a good gimmick with Clearwater. Clearwater kind of doing that universal heartthrob and <laughs> and everything. Yeah, I mean, I think it will work. Yeah, I, no. I think he, I think he could pull it off. Uh, Clearwater doesn't have the best talking. Idol talks too much. But like I said, if you got a short reign on Idol, you know, short leash on Idol and said, you know, Idol, go out there, say these five things and nothing else. And, you know, let Clearwater say about two things until he learns how to talk. And I think, you know, you'd be seeing, but he mainly needs to go out and pose and look good, show off his face. And, you know, he would make that good kind of arrogant uh, heel young heel cocky young heel you know in the mold of uh, uh, Sammy Guevara or uh, yeah even uh, even Ricky Starks yeah you know I, I I think that they have a I mean I've seen him Russell he's talented now if you've only seen him in the NWA you don't know that but if you watched him back in his days with championship wrestling from Hollywood or you saw him on primetime live and stuff like that, like the boy has talent, a little bit green, but he has talent. And so, you know, come on, let's let's nurture that. Yeah. You put him with a better like you put him with a better like idol. You know, when I will teach him more about how things should be as versus how they are in the world today. And 
you know, come on. Right? You, you got money there. And so Tyrus and G's, I, I mean, they would probably make a good team. I don't, or, you know, wrestler manager combination. I, I, I don't have anything against that. But my main thought was on the Clearwater Idol. I mean, boy, they just are, they are a fit for that. So, you know, I don't know. Let's see. And yes, I do think that I do think that they were saying they wanted to be the Tyrus to be the title seven defense. Yeah, and it looks like that match is is going to happen, but we don't really have a time and place yet. Again, uh, this promo was very nonsensical, and um, unfortunately uh, for like Jordan Clearwater and even Tyrus, it, it just it muddies the water. You're right. Put a short leash on on Idol. Let him say three or four things. If you're going to have G's with them, let G say one or two things. Let Tyrus say one or two things. And then let's move on. Um, My notes here were it was painful to watch. But uh, essentially, Idol announces that Pope versus Tyrus. We just don't have a date yet. Next up, we get some more wrestling, which is always a good thing. You know, on a wrestling show, who who would have thought, DKM, the wisest thing you've ever said is who would have thought wrestling fans want wrestling. And on this episode, I kind of feel like we got some more of that, right? Because we got next up the match between two former uh, women world champions and their mentorees, their protégés, which is kind of weird for me to even say, too, because we're talking about... Sky Blue, who, yes, Sky Blue is young, but Kylie Ray has almost as much ring time as Thunder Rosa. Um, in fact, it was there was one line that uh, Velvet Sky said was that uh, growing up, Kylie Ray, who was teaming up with Serena Deep to take on Thunder Rosa and Sky Blue, uh, growing up, she idolized Thunder Rosa. And I looked it up because that sounded weird to me. Thunder Rosa has been wrestling for about six years. That's just how good she is. She took six years and became something very special in such a short amount of time. Kylie Ray's been in the ring for about four years. So we're only talking about a two-year difference. And and I don't think Kylie Ray grew up watching Thunder Rosa when Thunder Rosa wasn't in the ring when Kylie Ray was growing up. It just like you don't have you don't have to make these like weird statements. You could say that she idolized her from, you know watching her wrestle sure you could say stuff like that but don't don't say she grew up watching her wrestle especially when like you know wrestling with the mma just posted a link to jordan clearwater's age saying that he's 24 cagematch.net is a resource that fans could literally go and check these wrestlers and find out when they were trained and how they were trained and literally you could look up and see that thunder rosa and kylie ray have been in the ring like more than a handful of times against each other so it just kind of kills it and i know this is supposed to be a reality crafted by billy corgan but let's let's keep some reality in it let's not say stupid things anyways i thought the match was really good um it was solid it had a finish which i was shocked at um kylie ray is a lot better than i think even the announcers are giving her credit for serena deep was great in that villain role uh, Thunder Rosa continues to be just the best damn wrestler on the planet. And Sky Blue looked really good in that baby face in peril. Um, I think everyone did their job the right way, and I thought the match was pretty good. What did you think, DK? I mostly enjoyed the match. 
I got very frustrated with the end game with Serena Deep going and pulling Thunder Rosa off out of the corner and hitting her head on the ring apron. And, you know, they've only done that four times so far <laughs> since uh, Power's been back. So it's like when you repeat things over and over and over again, you make them meaningless and you make them go, why is everybody so stupid? And so that that bothered me almost as much as I liked the match. Well, then that and of course that anything that happens outside the ring or with persons on the ring apron is 190 times more effective than if that happened in the ring. So now Rosa was like out until the end. So come on, stop that. Now, as for the rest of the match, I enjoyed it. Uh, I I like Kylie Ray. I think they're going to have to be careful. I think her character can get old if they don't keep it fresh. So, you know, they're going to have to watch her a little bit, how they use her. But I enjoy her ring work. I enjoy Thunder Rose's ring work. I enjoy uh, Serena Deep. You can tell she's a veteran and she knows what she's doing and she knows how to make people look good. And uh, I thought Blue looked good being in the ring with them. Yeah. So, uh, not necessarily as she, she, not necessarily as good as them. No. But looked good being in the ring with them. Right. And you know, a lot of that was deep, to be honest. And so, I think. This is where, like, I think they're doing things right if they build it. The fight off to the back at the end kind of didn't do a lot for me. But I did like the clean submission. It, I did not like Kylie Ray necessarily looking so surprised by it. But, and I think that's, again, where they're going to have to watch the character a little bit. Yeah, for sure. But overall, overall, it was a good match, overplayed spot. That sums it up for me. Well, and what what I kind of felt was interesting is with Kylie Ray, like, although you would assume she's a baby face, they kind of keep putting her in these these opportunities to be a heel, if that makes sense. Like Serena Deep, no doubt about it, was working heel on this show. Um, Kylie Ray even popped for some of the things that Serena Deep was doing inside of the ring. So it just kind of felt like, uh, you know, what are you doing with her? And, and uh, again, I think you're right. It, it, if they're if they don't reel it in, if they don't come up with an actual plan, people will get bored with Kylie Ray. When Thunder Rosa debuted in the NWA, they had a plan. I think they put fast. They, they fast forward that plan because of how um, how over she got. But I think the plan was for her to 
eventually get to that title shot. I don't think they meant to. Uh, I, I don't think they realized what they had until she actually debuted. But then that brings us to. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. If I, if I can get in there, I I will never love uh, Thunder Rosa more than than when she called uh, Dave Marquez. Gordo. <laughs> Gordo. <laughs> yes. That was just that was so beautiful. And the funny thing about it is if you guys know Dave personally or you're friends with him on Facebook, you can see his weight loss journey. And even before those tapings, like he had lost a lot of weight. It's like, damn, what would she say about a guy like me? But, but that's almost what made, that's almost what made it perfect was knowing that he had lost so much weight and she was I mean, just the way she said it and everything when talking to him, it just, it cracked me up. Um, okay. What, Next. What, what would Luthez uh, brought to the table? He said, can't wait for the Kylie Ray has lost her smile angle. You know it's coming. And uh, I don't know, man. I think they're going to tiptoe around that. I don't think they're going to try to, to get into that at all because... Um, obviously she has some issues with her mental health and when she's good, she's, she's a great wrestler. I don't think they want to jeopardize that. Uh, if it was me, if I, if I was Billy Corgan, I would not even address that. I would just give her as much time and, and what she needed. Because again, in a couple months here, you're not going to have Thunder Rosa. I mean, we know that we know she's not re-signing. I mean, unless Billy Corgan backs up a Brinks trucks to her house, and I don't see her coming back. So, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, Wrestling with MMA thinks it's going to happen. James H. Jackson says he feels that a taping, taping a full season at once helps her as well. Yeah, again, having that time where she's only giving up three or four days of her month or her two months to be on, you know, featured on TV for a while. Um, I don't know. Okay, uh, moving on. We get the podium. We get our favorite tag team. We get the War Kings and some Maury Povich. I don't know what the hell's going on. Nothing was said. Out comes Slice Boogie. I still don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Jack said, I, I brought you out here to power in front of the fans because I needed to tell you. It was just a couple of text messages, and out comes Slice Boogie. I don't know what this means. Do you understand what happened, D-Cam? Did I miss something? Did I stroke? Did, did I fall asleep during this this moment? Like, what happened? I have no clue. I've seen, and I don't know what I missed. I've seen something on the internet that was suggesting that basically, like, Dane was saying that Boogie's his new tag team partner or something. I don't know. I uh, honestly, as soon as I saw Slice Boogie came out, I just kind of dropped my head and thought, "I need a drink." <laughs> make it a double. Yeah, make it a double. And and the joke there for those of you who do not know is, I drink <laughs> so, all alcohol and uh, just although. Uh, sometimes I think I should. And especially when I watch the show. But uh, I don't know. I, this is another thing. Kevin brought this up one time. When you go watch Slice Boogie other places, you go, that's a talented guy that could be somewhere. 
he needs to change his name. He needs to get some ring gear, you know, but he could really go somewhere. But I, even, you know, the NWA puts him in things where Jack Stane quits to go look after his partner in a match. And it's just, I don't know. And then the other thing that I'm wondering about is, like I said, Dane and Crimson are still teaming together other places. So I almost feel like maybe they're setting Boogie up. Maybe, you know, Dane will go to protect him and then turn around and hit him with a chair. Yeah, you know, we... uh, that would have, if they do that, if they do kind of that Brick Flair, Four Horsemen, and Ole Anderson, Dusty, you know, Rick Flair to Sting, Ole Anderson to Dusty Rhodes, and others, where it's like, yeah, yeah, dude, I, you know, we're going to be friends now, and but it's all set up because I'm really going to beat snot at it you know, as soon as the opportunity's there the way I want it. Soon as Terry Funk and the Great Muda are out of the picture, then we're gonna beat the crap out of you, Sting. Yeah. Right? So, I, I do not know. Yeah. This, we, 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 I can please hope. We coined the phrase a couple weeks back uh, offline: poorly crafted drama, and this is exactly what it was. I am a huge Jack Stane fan. You guys, we, we talk about this all the time. Uh, I was a big Jack Stane fan when he was making that run for the 10 pounds of gold. It was part of what was exciting about that era of the NWA. They still had that loose relationship with the uh, with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But at that point, it just kind of felt like the titles weren't going to even be coming home anytime soon. And Jack Stane's push to get that title match, how he unified those titles. I mean, he was one of the, one of the coolest dudes we ever had on the podcast. Just a very, like fun guy to talk to i've spoken to him offline i've seen him at shows i've talked to him he's a great dude but this was just bad and you know i I don't know is the big reveal that slice boogie's his son um i I mean like he kind of looks like jack's like uh uh son like if you've seen jack's if you follow Jacks on social media and see pictures, uh, post pictures of his wife and his stepson, he kind of looks like like Jacks son, and they bear some resemblance. I don't know if that's what Billy Corgan's thinking. I don't know if that's what's going on here. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, why break up a perfectly good tag team when they could carry your entire division? Crimson and Dane could carry your entire tag team division and really bring something special about the NWA tag team division, something that it's lacked since day one. Since day one, since Billy Corgan purchased the NWA, they haven't been able to figure out the tag team division correctly. And this is just another, to me, a failed opportunity and poorly crafted drama. Yeah. For those of you who are on certain Discord channels, hadn't a conversation with... uh, some of our friends in another group and one of them responded well 
you know, I can tell you why everything they do is logical and makes sense, or it's not illogical, or it makes sense for them, stuff like that. Yeah. And my basic thing is, if you have to tell me that I can make it logical or I can explain it, that's where the problem lies. You shouldn't have to tell me. I yeah. should see it's logical, and I should understand what they're doing. You shouldn't have to go, well, if you take this in consideration and that in consideration and, you know, everything, you know, I can make this logical. Well, yeah, and I can make it logical why it's, some of this stuff is crap. Uh, I don't know. I, you, you said something earlier, Jay, that it's one of those things that scares the crap out of me when things like this are said. But when you said something about part of Billy Corgan's reality, and, you know, it's like, great, we already have WWE, which is Vince McMahon's reality. And I don't know what the heck's happened to him. He's lost to his ever left line. And then, you know, we got AEW, which is Tony Khan's reality, you know. And he's still playing with his toy wrestlers. It's just that now that they're real. And, you know, good wrestling takes place in our reality. In that you you bring us in and you make us interested and you make us care. But that's where I feel they fail. You know, I've stated many times I wouldn't watch this if it was anybody else. So they give me enough hope to keep me... <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's like the person that keeps thinking that their partner is going to propose any day now, whether they ever do or not. They give me enough hope. You know, they put on shows like this, which are better, even if not still make uh, a lot of sense. They go, well, maybe they'll learn, maybe they'll do things better. And then, you know, you cry at the prom, I guess. I'm, Well, um, from one poorly crafted drama moment to the next, we go backstage with Mae Valentine. Now, you and I have agreed that we felt Mae Valentine is really, uh, really kind of coming to her own in this role as a backstage interviewer. I mean, she's not mean Jean, you know, Okerlund, but she certainly has been very, um, she, she's worked in that environment. She's, she makes sense in this environment. But this is another one of those promos where it's just like, what, what are we, what are we doing here? What's going on? And Kratos is smiling and he's talking about how he wasn't happy with Stevens until Stevens churned his ways, and we're, that's reverse. At least that's what the story leading up to this moment was: is that he was unhappy with Stevens now that Stevens has changed his way. So it, this is again just, I don't get it. I don't know why, like what Kevin would have said, this is taped. Why couldn't they just re-recorded this and done a better job? Um, then we got uh, Kratos saying that he's starting to like Stevens, 
but respect is earned. And I, I mean, I'm okay with that statement, but it's like, uh, you guys are still tag team champions. So what, I mean, what did you think about this segment? You know, what were your thoughts? Well, I'll be honest. I thought it was supposed to be a sit down interview at first and not just a backstage segment. So I was expecting more of a, I don't want to, I don't know how to say it. Just more of like a cold conversation. Uh, NWA hates tag teams. Didn't make sense. <laughs> I didn't, I don't get it. I, I don't see, I said they needed to pull the trigger on what they're going to do with this team back at the last pay-per-view. They seem to be content not doing it, but, you know, having what is basically a joke tag team. We don't like each other, but we're trying to work together. The other one just needs to change their ways. But somehow we win, and we normally win because Kratos breaks the rules and Stevens didn't see it. Okay. I mean, it, it is a story to tell, but it's not a story I'm interested in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's a great... There's a story to be told, but it's just not that interesting of a story. That should go on a t-shirt, because, again, there was... Who's watching this to go, oh, man, they're back on the same page. All right, let's go Kratos and Stevens. Let's go conquer the world. No one cares. Like, and I like Aaron Stevens, and I even like J.R. Kratos. I think Kratos is awesome. I, I The tag team could work if they wanted it to, but it just like you said, it, it feels like they hate tag team wrestling, and it's just not, uh, not interesting to me. Um... Let's go to the next match. And this is probably one of my favorite matches of the night. Probably one of the best matches I've seen on Power. And that was the six-man tag NWA Lucha Rules, which I had no idea there was an NWA Lucha Rules. That's news to me. We got Hawksari teaming with El Rudo to take on La Rebellion and the returning Homicide. And this match was fun. I thought they did a lot of interesting spots. I thought the match uh, flowed really well. I didn't see any big botches. I really like watching PJ Hawks get in there and mix up some collegiate style, some Greco-Roman style wrestling with his professional wrestling. That kid's going to be something very special in just a few short years. I'm sure of it. Um, Luke Hawk looks like Luke Hawk. I mean, that guy is a very solid, credible professional wrestler. He, he does a good job in the ring. Uh, El Rudo, you know, he, he's... I'm not super familiar with Sam Adonis' work outside of the NWA, but watching him in the NWA, I mean, he, he fits the bill of exactly what I thought he was. It works. You got Mecha Wolf, who a lot of people love this guy. He, he, he looks good to me. His promos have been pretty solid. Bestia looks really good. And then Homicide, somebody I've been a fan for for years, seeing him jump back in the ring and not really missing a step. I, I just thought this was a good match. Probably one of the best matches of, of the entire history of power. Your face doesn't say that you liked it. What did you think? Uh, actually, I was just thinking about several things, which is probably why I said, probably why it looked the way it did. Uh, honestly, I, 
it was good for what it was. I, mean, I didn't have any problems with it. Uh, don't know what to make of El Rudo. I can't figure out if I like him or not. Same. Uh, I like the Hawks. I love PJ. I love. I love that PJ brings his amateur wrestling background into the into the matches. It's great because because that's you know wrestling's the only thing where we don't expect the amateur and the professional to look anything at all alike. And it's 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 good to see them kind of g- today. Back in the day, they did more that was looked like wrestling. Yeah, and that was even most of it was pre my time. Yeah, but uh, you know, according to Jaden, I'm somewhere around 150. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but, but I think PJ shows where you can use that style effectively in a pro wrestling match you know at least in places and it fits best at the beginning of wrestling matches it really does and so uh, I think I think you have like uh, Jordan Clearwater I think you have the possibility of building a star in PJ Hawks if you handle it correctly. I like uh, La Rebellion. I don't know why it's that people tend to pronounce it in the French way instead of Spanish, but hey. Uh, I like them. They're a bit small, but, you know, they fit. At least they book them as a strong tag team. Yeah. The only tag team they book as a strong tag team. So, if you're going to book them as a strong tag team, you know, let's get that at the next pay-per-view, but time is on them. Heck yes. Uh, I will say I had a small pop for Homicide's Return. It probably would have been bigger if I thought, oh, he's going to come in and, you know, actually be something here in the NWA. But, you know, let's be honest, it's bigger commitments going to be to ROH and other places that's currently working. But, uh, you know, it was cool to see it back. As I, and so, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so, you know, in an isolated thing of just watching this match, yeah, it, I enjoyed it. It was good. As I was watching that match, I kept thinking to myself, you know, if they decided to really kind of push that TV title as a more important feature than what it is, because well, I mean, when each week we get these matches, these qualifying matches, uh, where it's less, you know, talent that's that's not over. I'll just say it like that: they're not over. You know, Colby Carino, PJ Hawk, and Sauronaro. You know, we both love PJ Hawk, but he's not over on the on that roster yet. And we tend to get these matches of guys who aren't over. But if they really wanted to make this thing serious. I mean, have guys like Luke Hawk and guys like Homicide battle each other for that spot to wrestle for the TV title. You could almost set up a whole real division with some of these other wrestlers um, instead of like just the warm-up guys. I don't know. It just felt like, man, I'd pay to see Homicide versus Luke Hawk in the ring. I'd pay to see Homicide versus 
the Pope in the ring. I'd pay to see, you know, these kind of matches. I, I just wish they would spend more time developing these things. You, am I alone? Did you feel any of that? or? Well, I mean, I think... I mean, I didn't think about that during this match. But, you know, I should bring it up. Yeah. I, this... The TV title, the TV title matches would be good places for the people who they bring in for a set of tapings who probably aren't going to be around for the next set of tapings. Yeah, that, I mean, that's fair. And, uh... And I'm not saying you can't put storyline people in there. But, you know, Pope's getting ready for a seven title defense, and, you know, we're in our second set of tapings. So... But yeah, you bring in homicide. You bring in. Uh, I could even handle El, El Rudo, uh, Luke Hawk, and some of the. I can handle some of the young guys, but the first of all, two away with the three ways for the qualifications. And second of all, some of the people who are qualifying probably should, or who are being in the qualifying matches that you probably already have you know one or two up to three wins under their belt in the show no I agree with that I think that's that's a good point because the guys you know with no disrespect intended for Captain Yuma I mean the guy didn't even he just kind of showed up and all of a sudden he's in a match for a TV title uh, excuse me, a match for an opportunity to wrestle for the TV title. Again, he hasn't done anything to deserve that. And that's not a shot at him. That was his first match. Uh, it's not a shot at Colby Carino. That was his first match. But why? He, that's a that's an excellent point. Why are these guys getting these opportunities when it, it's not really warranted? And, and I think, to your point, I, I like that idea of... Uh, you know, it's okay for an outsider to come in and, and be a part of that challenge when you know they're not going to be around for very long. But again, they got to earn it. Yeah. Sorry, boots coming in now. Lucky. I know. Okay. Well, let's that that brings us. I to... tell you all, I tell you all to be je- I tell you all to be jealous, but it's Dairy Queen. So. Dairy Queen but, yeah, I mean, right you know. Titles are only as important as the promotion makes them. And so if you bring in quote-unquote names, or at least mid-card names, or people that someone knows from either ROH or one of the other places, then, yeah, they can certainly... They're established. They can prove them. You know, they've already proved themselves they would qualify for a match so you set them in the ring with somebody who hey guess what they've been on TV you know three out of the last four weeks and they've won their matches you know then you're establishing something so then we go okay I'll pick Mims you know if you get there where okay Mims had you know three matches and four or five weeks he's won all of them so now we're going to put him in a match with you know El Rudo who's also you know won three or four matches over the last few weeks or you put him with someone like Luke Hawk who has a little bit of a name on the 
independent circle is a veteran and well-known, he can just come in, you know, step into that match. And so, but then it means something. And, you know, let's, let's be honest, NWA doesn't do the best job of building people for title matches, but I would like to see something like that. Rosville brings up a point about the TV title scene. He says it should be like the pure division in Ring of Honor as far as the action and matchups. And then he says how title changes, I think you meant to see how many title changes has Ring of Honor had since its restart. Just saying, not many, right? I mean, not many. Um, And then Jimmy says that he would like to see a TV title defense every week. Um, I mean, that would be kind of cool. See, the way I... If they're, if they're going to start utilizing the YouTube channel, I really feel like it would be smart to put a higher caliber match on the YouTube channel, but without giving away the farm. And I think if you could rotate between maybe the national title and the TV title being your match of the week on YouTube, while still kind of keeping the, uh, the heart of power on power, I think that would make a lot of sense. But again, that's a, that's a fine line to juggle. Some of these matches on YouTube, the High Voltage series, I mean, they're calling them dark matches or old pay-per-view matches, so I'm not sure. And then uh, Kakushi says, the NWA builds as well as Tim the Toolman Taylor. Oh, that was awful. (laughs) That was awful. (laughs) Come on, do it. Do it one time. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know who you are. Did you? You never watched the show Home Improvement? I bet you Kakushi's yes, laughing. I, y- yes, I, I, I watched it, but I'm pretty sure it was as punishment for not doing my homework. <laughs> and then uh, that brought us to tonight's main event. It was the main event? Yeah, it was the main event. It was the matchup that put uh, Jay the God in the ring with Chris. Adonis, who still wears the masterpiece gear, very confusing, very hard to keep his name correct when they keep going back to, to calling him the masterpiece. And uh, it's the national championship he's, matchup. He's still the masterpiece. He still uses the master lock. And everybody wishes they would call him Chris Masters. They want him to think of him as Chris Masters because that's who people know. Quite honestly, not like he was a big deal in in WWE or F or G or whatever letter they were using at the time. Right. And, uh, you know, part of the problem is that when you're rolled full of big boys, you don't necessarily look as big as you do when you're in a world full of uh, small people. Yeah. And so, you know, Masters, I think I don't think he's at his biggest he's been. So, uh, well, let's talk about the match, and we'll talk about how that fits in. Um. So this was uh, again the qual the um, the finals to the very short uh, national title tournament. Of course, we know that uh, JTG went through uh, Fred Rosser. 
and uh, and Sam Rudo to get this opportunity to wrestle for the national championship. And of course, uh, Big Chris wrestled against um, Paro and his tag team partner um, uh, Tom Latimer. And both matches were fine. I, I mean, there's nothing that blew me away on either of these matches. And uh, when they get together in the ring, it, it, it's it's a WWE uh, shotgun Saturday night match. It's WWE jacked. It's WWE main event. It's nothing to write home about. It's nothing spectacular. And the oddest, weirdest thing is when you had Chris Adonis speculating that, uh, well, you know, if things get too out of control, he'll just have Tom Latimer come out. He didn't need it. No insurance policy needed. It was a clean match. For the first time in in all of his time in the NWA, Chris Masters, Chris Adonis, won this match in a very clean match, won with his masterpiece, his master lock. Um, I thought JTG looked good in the match. There was a lot of fun offense, but again, this was nothing special. The match ended kind of on a weird, huh? Uh, JTG looked like he was out anyways when Fred Rosser comes out and, and calls the match. It just, it didn't make sense. Again, poorly crafted drama there, where they're trying to build tension between Rosser and JTG. I mean, as far as I know, unless something else happened, there are no more Fred Rosser matches. And as far as I can tell, I don't think there are any more JTG matches either. So I feel like that was it. And, and now that angle is not playing out anywhere else because, well, Fred, Fred Rosser is now exclusive to New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we're not going to see a, a matchup between Fred Rosser and JTG at the 73rd anniversary pay-per-view. And, and again, with, with uh, Adonis winning the title the way he won it, it basically says that the whole last month was uneventful, unnecessary. Uh, there was no reason to strip him of the title. They just put it right back on him. It didn't It didn't do anything. It didn't make the national title seem any more special. In fact, if anything, it made it seem more of a joke. Because if uh, Adonis could just abdicate it anytime he wants, because he'll win it back, because who's going to stop him? Um, just, I don't know. This was a very head-scratcher. The match itself was fine. The implications of the match just, just totally sour me on the whole title. I was actually a little bit disappointed in the match. I mean, you probably picked the word, right word. It was funny. I was really expecting more from both of them. Yeah. And so that they had just kind of a fine match was a little bit disappointing. To me. And uh, I, I don't know why. I mean, there was nothing I could look at and sit there and go, oh, well, you know, there are a lot of botches or just like it was like it was a title match but they weren't trying their hardest <laughs> three quarter speeds that's what they call it in football when you know when you're practicing you call it three quarter speed so you kind of go through the motions but you're not really trying to hurt the other guy you're not trying to really hit him you're just going through the motions so you get the repetition that's what this match felt like yeah and then I, I, you know, again, this is one of those things where I don't know what was originally said. You know, some people were saying that both Fred Rosser and uh, Latimer were supposed to be out there. And of course, that didn't happen. 
which is good. That's not a complaint. But then this is what I was talking about with masters versus like, you know, Jay, the God here that he wasn't bigger than him. So when he, you know, when you watch Bobby Lashley put somebody in the heart lock, which is the exact same thing, full Nelson people, it's called a full Nelson, <laughs> all right? And that's what people should refer to it as. It is a full Nelson. They put them in the full Nelson. The full Nelson is not a submission hold, by the way. It's a control hold. And it does not put you to sleep. But, you know, watching, it just, it didn't look right that Adonis was able to put uh, JTG in the hold and keep it. Although what he did when he kind of started breaking, it did make sense, you know, where it started pounding him in the back, in the back and on the neck and everything like that. That all did, did make sense. He put him back in the hole. Uh, basically, Jay's out of it. Jay in the wrestling match, not Jay, my partner right there. Uh, Both sentiments are true. Uh, true. Uh, Fred Rosser comes out, throws in the towel. I don't. Was a towel actually thrown in? No. He just. He said, "Just ring the bell. Ring the bell." And the referee rung yeah, the bell. But, and again, like yeah, like they couldn't find a white towel to throw in the ring. They could throw in a t-shirt. It, it was very bizarre. It was like the bell was ringing, and everybody was confused. And it's like, well, Fred Rosser you know, called the match. And, and then the person who was upset by it was Dick Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch. Trevor, oh, excuse me, Trevor. Uh, my daydreaming of the good old days, I guess. <laughs> so Trevor Murdoch uh, is more upset by it than anybody else. And he's the one having a confrontation with Red Rosser, who says he's going to thank me when, you know, he wakes up or whatever. But you couldn't really complain about Rosser, Rosser stopping the match because it's not like he stopped it early. I mean, he was out. Yeah. Well, he it, released the hold. The guy fell and to the ground, and he was out. And it, so it was like, okay, it, was Rosser wrong to do it? No, you can't really say that. He did it prematurely. No, I mean. It was weird, had no true understanding, didn't really seem to do anything other than, you know, NWA, they hate tag teams, <laughs> but they love dissension. And so I don't know who the dissension is supposed to be with. Is it supposed to be with Dick Murdoch? Is it supposed to be with Trevor? I want Dick. I'm tired of, I want somebody who I really appreciate. And so, it's supposed to be with Trevor Murdoch? Is it supposed to be with, you know, uh, Jay the God? Is it supposed to be with Beach Pan Pro Wrestling? Uh, you know, with, 
what's the deal? And where is this going? Because like you said, it was kind of known when Fred was doing it. It's not like this is something that's new. It was known when Fred was doing these tapings that this was kind of supposed to be it for him. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, and I don't really know what what the plans are with JTG, whether he was just brought in for the set of tapings or if they're planning on using him again. I mean, the NW's very open that they, outside of their core roster, they plan on bringing in different people. Yeah, and... and which can be good in a way, but it can be bad in the sense, too, that now I know when people outside the core come in, that I'm not really, shouldn't really expect anything. Yeah, and, and so there's, like you said, there's a lot of questions that I don't even know if they can be answered, because again, Fred is no longer available to work the NWA. So where is this tension going to go? Or, or is JTG going to come back after the next tapings and, and, and be revitalized and ready to go? Is, is he going to join, you know, Austin uh, Austin Idol's management group? I mean, we don't really have an idea. Or if he's even going to be back. Um, I don't know why Trevor Murdoch took it upon himself to, to become Joe Galley or Kyle Davis in this and, and grab the mic and, and, you know, your job is to wrestle and to give some color insight. You're not there to cut promos during somebody else's match or, or to to shame somebody for for trying to help out what he thought was doing the right thing. It, all of this was just, no, I didn't like it. Like I said, the match was fine. And had the matches ended normally, it, you know, that had been a good feather in the cap for Chris Masters to have a clean victory. And, I mean, in essence, he did. But, uh, but still, like, I, I didn't even want him in that match. I wanted Tom Latimer in that match. I wanted Paro in that match. I feel like once he abdicated the belt, like, let's put it on someone else. He didn't do anything as champion, and, and I don't know what he's going to do as champion for a second time, except for throw the belt down the first time Nick Aldis tells him he needs him to do something else. That well, I didn't like that. I didn't like Trevor Murdoch, again, trying to become Joe Galley. That didn't, didn't impress me much. Um... JTG, as good as he's looked, I mean, he had Fred Rosser not called for the bell. He was out. The match was over. He was stuck. He, 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 when, when, when Masters released the hold, JTG fell to the ground. He didn't pump back up and go ready to fight. He was a defeated man. So the whole point of Fred coming out just didn't make sense anyways. It didn't, it didn't do anything. So... I don't, I don't, I, I don't get it at all. And, but, you know, you're talking, my thing, I mean, this is me personally, this is my opinion. You can disagree with it if you want to, even though I'm right. But, you know, it's like you were saying, Jay, that, okay, what did this do for the title? What did this do for Adonis? What did this do for really any... Adonis gives up the title. He wins back. Everything that happened because he gave up the title was meaningless. Because he gave up the title for a stupid reason. Yep. And someone goes, oh, well, he proved his loyalty to Strictly Business. Well, Strictly Business isn't even necessarily loyal to him. So that was kind of stupid. He doesn't even have a jacket yet. Yeah. And so, and, you know, all this made it very clear that people will come and go. I don't know who the decider is. I guess him. But it's just, 
and now you notice that that's kind of the one storyline that they've kind of dropped, not really made a big deal out of, outside of just a, you know that little bit of tension between Latimer and Adonis in their match. Which, by the way, did you notice that the three-way matches only had uh, had two friends against each other in Rosser and JTG, and the tag team against each other in Adonis and Latimer. Yeah. And then kind of like a third random person thrown in that we're not sure what the purpose was. Or did they even deserve that opportunity? Right. So, uh, you know, the last two national champions who were still there wrestling for the company weren't in it. And really, who are the top wrestlers in the NWA right now? I mean, isn't it just like four? I mean, look, if you're basing it on your own preference, I think uh, for me, Tom Latimer's in the conversation, the Pope is in the conversation, Aldous is in the conversation, and apparently the national champion, two-time national champion, has to be in that conversation. And Trevor Murdoch. But it, but then again, it's like it's kind of hard to tell too because you start looking at the tag team division. Look, I'd rather watch Paro. I'd rather watch Paro wrestle than Chris Adonis. Well, you know, and what I'm getting at is with all these titles, who am I supposed to? Who's there? You kept your last two national champions out because I guess because Murdoch's working a program with Aldis, but that shouldn't really factor in. Again, we're talking real world your, you know, type things I shouldn't have factored in. So, they put a tag team guy in there, so wouldn't you, even if, uh, I can see saying, well, Stevens, he's world tag team champion, doesn't need to be in there, he already has a title. Okay, you can kind of get me with that, but they seem to do what they want anyway, so they put a tag team person in there. So, why wouldn't you have put him in there? Because, I mean, right now, if you're looking at top, who the top NWA people, you're going to go with Nick Aldis, the world champion. Yeah. You go with his two strictly business guys. Uh, you go with probably Pope. And I guess Murdoch, since he's in the, since he's in the title picture and there's a possibility he might win it for at least a short reign. Maybe. And but I don't even think most people believe that. You know, they've shocked the world they put the title on him, kept him kept it on him for six months. Yeah. Uh so you know, outside of that who are the people, and this is what I was talking about earlier, when if you just bring people in for uh, tapings and stuff like that, who are the people that I'm really supposed to expect? I mean, I have a sneaking suspicion what's going to happen with the TV title. And that's because... That's because just based on NWA's booking, I, I can see what 
they probably got planned for the seventh title defense. And so, who's really a national champion top contender? Who do you want to see go for that title? If, if they would break up Crimson and Dane, then you might have a couple that you could sit there and go, okay, they would be legitimate, you know, uh, challengers for the title. But then you got to break up Crimson and Dane. And then for it to really work, Crimson and Dane would have to be broken up and not teaming up in other promotions. Because otherwise it just looks weird. It doesn't pass the... Well, otherwise, otherwise it's, it's stupid. It's one of the biggest problems in indies today. I pointed this out back when we used to do the old podcast. Is that... Those that remember when Houston Car- Carson, formerly known as Ken Carson, was a wrestler. And... Uh, Mike Dell, who still does wrestle, but they could, in the very Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, wrestle as a tag team on one side and wrestle as as two guys in a blood feud the next night on the other side. You know, this is what keeps fans from getting emotionally involved and attached because it doesn't make sense what I see. I can't. I can't get anything long term. So I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about? There's there's a couple of things I want to talk about unrelated to the show. Yeah, I mean let's let's go ahead and jump into that because I mean that's the show that was superpower. Um, again, there was I thought there was a lot better wrestling than we've seen in previous weeks, but there's still these things that just don't make sense. Now we got four match four matches the title match yeah four matches so that four was matches. good that was really solid. Um, all the matches had conclusions. Again, solid. Some of the matches were really good. Again, solid. But just the, the, the way that the national title ended, I don't get it. Um, I, I don't get with what some of the promos they were trying to work. I don't get it. But let's get into uh, let's get into what you wanted to talk about. What else What else is on your mind with the with regards to the NWA? Well, I got three questions related to the. NWA and I'm just anybody that's still out in the chat room listening to us please chime in with your thoughts and we'll let Jay get started and I'll share some of my thoughts so Jay first of all what do you think about this new explosion they're having on their social media where they're actually posting stuff relating back to yesteryear and all that look this is something I think that they were poorly poorly missing was a huge misstep for the NWA when they came back. I mean, look, there was mostly radio silence during the pandemic, and you would see the NWA tweet some things, especially with regards to Primetime Live, but when that relationship was dissolved, there wasn't a whole lot of social media presence for the NWA. Then when they pulled the content off the YouTube page, again, just this whole lack of what's going on and now the 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 social media platform the nwa's uh facebook twitter instagram is firing on all cylinders i think this is a a tremendous move i think this is a great move because it shows to the common fan who maybe didn't pick up the uh pick up the streaming service 
hey, the NWA is still running, it's still happening, and B, it connects some of those older fans to what the NWA is now. So when, you, when you're talking about Sting's victory at the Great American Bash, and you tie that into the NWA today, you're reminding fans who may have forgotten, hey, you know the wrestling you grew up with, the stuff that you really, really liked? Yeah, we're still doing it. You can come check it out. $4.95 uh, $4. a month to catch four shows, or you can watch some of the free matches on YouTube. I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Well, I, I think that's something that they've gotten right recently. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if someone new took over or with social media or what exactly happened, but it, it certainly been so much better than it has been. And especially relating back to the older things they talked about, you know, like Pick the Bruiser or, you know, wishing different people happy birthday from years gone by or talking about Sting winning the world title or whatever. Much, much, much better of tying themselves to what the legacy is. And let's be honest, Billy in some ways would tie himself to the legacy beforehand, but not a great deal. And uh, almost like yeah, you know, here's the stuff that the, those of you who are old fans, uh, you know, but, you know, this this is why we bought the NWAs, because you guys remember that stuff. But, uh, they finally, they finally take it off on it. Okay, so, two, my second question to you is advertising for this set of tapings is they've been using digital old-school posters. And so I assume this has to do with the fact that they're going to the chase. So what are your thoughts on the posters they've been using and kind of the old-school feel they've been, they've been giving some of their advertisements? You know what's funny is like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I would see posters like that and I would think, man, what a... Why can't you get someone to design decent posters for your wrestling company? These look like garbage. But now, like, I'm seeing them and I'm feeling very nostalgic. And I'm, again, tying back to that history, the rich tradition history that the NWA has. These these posters, these graphics, I think are spot on. They're making me excited about the shows. Like, they had some pretty decent graphics a few months ago. But this old school approach, I think, is really a hit. I, the most people I deal with on, on uh, with regards to the NWA, the fans that I interact with, they love them. And I think that's really cool that they reintroduce these style of posters. But like I said, like 10 years ago, when I'd see these for shows, I would be like, well, what a garbage wrestling promotion. And it's kind of funny how it's come back around again. It's like, no, these are great. Look at the nostalgia. I think they're, I think they're great. And I think they've done a good job there of mixing old and new. Yeah, I mean, they are a better graphic than the old posters. Or let's be honest, the old posters came from old newspaper advertisements they would put in. And so, I I do feel like they've done a good job of molding old and new in that. And you know, they have caught my attention, and uh, and they do make me more excited. 
Now, here's my third question, and since you've done so well, there's a bonus one afterwards. <laughs> okay, third question. Did you watch the first race to the chase? No. Um, I've actually, I went out of town on Friday, which I think is when they dropped it, and I just, I, I, I saw it, I fast forward through it, I wasn't really impressed with what I saw, it didn't grab me, but I also didn't give it the time that I probably should have. Alright. I liked it for what it was, it's not a 10 pounds of gold, but they did push, you know, some of the history with the chase and everything. So, it, it was okay. It was good. I, so, I, I would encourage you to watch it again and, you know, take the time to actually sit and pay attention. One of, one of the things that I did notice is they showed a match. I believe they showed parts of a match. And I kept thinking, like, do they have the rights to use this? Is there somebody out there who owns that that could, like, uh, say, nope, I'm going to give you a, a copyright claim against the video that you posted? Um, you know, I know there is something to be said about uh, uh, copyright, and after so many years that it's open source, it's available to the public. But I just kept thinking, like, do they have the right to use this footage? And, like, because I know that's not Billy Corgan footage. That's, as far as I know, it's not Paul Bosch footage. And I just kept well, thinking, like, well, there's probably somebody that owns the rights, but I couldn't tell you who. Sure. Uh, I doubt it's WWE. And quite honestly, I did see, you know, they did show where the newscasters are, were talking about it. Yeah, it's possible they could have got footage from the TV station. Uh, yeah. So, I, I don't know that's what happened. They could have pulled it from YouTube, as far as I know. But, I mean... It's possible they could have gotten it from TV station. So, that will be interesting. So now, bonus question. There's no right or wrong answer to this, but I'm curious as to people's thoughts. Alright? So, they're having two pay-per-views. Do you bother to offer them separately, or should they only be a package? My opinion is they should sell them as two separate pay-per-views, but give you the option to, to save if you buy both. I feel like there are some people out there who do not care about the NWA whatsoever, but are going to want to watch the women's pay-per-view because uh, I assume, and this is a big assumption, but I assume we're going to see some women wrestlers who are not currently associated with the NWA, and we're going to get some matches that are off-brand, that are going to be really interesting. I mean, Deanna Perrazzo's out there. Uh, you know, Jordan Grace is out there. There's a lot of very talented women who potentially could end up on this pay-per-view with very little work, um, especially with the connections that Mickey James has and, and could give us some very interesting wrestling matchups. Um, so I, I personally think that that is going to be a hot ticket item for a lot of wrestling fans. I know a couple wrestling fans who only watch women's wrestling. They watch Mission Pro, they watch Shimmer, they watch Shine. Um, you know, that that's where they that's where they spend their money, that's where they spend their their attention, their eyeballs. So, again, I, I feel like 
that is going to be very special to a lot of wrestling fans. That all women's pay per view, and then you know the. You still hanging out with Henry? What's that? So are you still hanging out with Henry? <laughs> and uh, on the flip side. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. On the flip side, that 73rd anniversary show looks, uh, you know, we don't have a card yet, but if, we, if we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt, if we're going to trust the history that they've performed already, the 70th anniversary show was by far one of the best events that the NWA produced. We had a lot of legends on hand. We had some great title matches. Cody versus Nick, too, was phenomenal. We had we crowned a new national champion with a lot of, you know, what I would call A-level stars in that match. Guys like Scorpio Sky, Sammy Guevara, uh, Ricky Starks, Colt Cabana. It sounds like they're all from AEW. But it was very, very exciting. That match was a lot of fun. It was before AEW, so. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> what would Luthez uh, do? She said, West is legendary. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, the, I didn't know if anybody out there would know who I was talking about, except for Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and and, and what would Luthez do? Luthez has been around for a while. Um, the, the, anyways. <laughs> so yeah, I think the seventy third anniversary show uh, itself has a lot of unique selling points, and, and of course, as we get closer to the chase, the history behind it, the fact that we're probably gonna get. Uh, you know, uh, Murdoch, uh, Aldous three for the title. I mean, I feel very, very excited. So who's to say? But I think it's going to be another hot ticket item. And then I, I think for for the the current NWA fan base, those who are subscribed to Fight, who are paying four ninety nine every month, they should get a break by ordering both pay per views. But those who don't really care about the 73rd should be able to just order the women's pay-per-view and pay, you know, 30 bucks or whatever it's going to be. And the same thing with the 73rd. They should be able to buy it without having to, to sign up for just the women's pay-per-view as well. And then those who are going to enjoy both should should get a deal on it. My opinion. Interesting. We are pretty much running way too long. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, but I had more questions like these that I will be saving for next week and we can get Kevin's opinion on some of them. And, 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 and I, I, I will leave a teaser. Do not answer it now. So think about it. All of you out there, think about it. Our beloved uh, crew. I want you to think about this. Mickey James has noted that women typically only have one title to chase. And even in WWE, it was that way until just recently. Do you think if they had somebody like Mickey James behind it, again, don't answer now, that they had someone like Mickey James behind it that could put together a solid enough crew that they could introduce like a women's national title or women's tag team title? Don't answer save that for next week people out there think about it would that interest you could they do a woman's only show would that interest you so 
these are some things that have been going on in the sport of professional wrestling, some arguments that have been made in the sport of professional wrestling now for a while. And, uh, you know, WWE has made some statements about it. And so let's, let's see what the NWA, what we think the NWA could or even should do. So with that, I'll, I'll end my rant of questions and make you think for a week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, our presentation of alliance-wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at the Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at the Alliance Blog. Remember... Absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.